Hi, welcome to Stories from the Chalk Face, a podcast where we hear stories from the front line of education, stories of challenge as we attempt to engage an increasingly diverse student population in their learning. Come and listen. Okay, so today we're going to be exploring what one school's been doing to increase student outcomes. Curry Curry High School's really been kicking some goals with two recent awards for their stage learning approach. And so Tracy, we're so lucky to have you here today as the principal of Curry Curry. What's going on at Curry Curry? Uh, what's going on? There are lots of things always going on in high schools, Gabby. I don't have to tell you that. You know that they are very dynamic and complex places that are never the same. And I think that is one of the things that has always drawn me to the leadership roles in schools. At Curry, we have a very interesting dynamic. We have from the top of the pops kids to students with high trauma backgrounds and complex needs. They come from some very complex families. And we we go with the mantra that no child in conflict can learn. So I think as a bit of a basis, when you look at, at a school that moves from a basis of, you know, schools used to be a place where you went to learn how to work. And I think what we've done is really reshape our school to become a place where kids learn how to live. So if you consider that as the basis, that's sort of where all of the innovation happens from that baseline. Yeah, that's amazing because I was just thinking about that, you know, um, I was kind of, you know, having a bit of a wade through the early learning framework, looking at the other end of schooling because my grandson's just started school and they're saying it's not so much is the child ready for the school, it's more a case is the school ready for the child. And they kind of go almost like another, through another toddler stage in adolescence, don't they, with that massive pruning, that neural pruning that's going on in the brain. Um, a lot of, uh, certainly I've seen this with a lot of, especially, you know, the year eight kids, you can get these tantrums and these unbelievable, you know, limit, they need limit setting, but um because they're so emotional, you, you've kind of got to work out how to grab them. So you, you've made some huge changes in the way students are learning. Tell us a little bit about what you've been doing there with your stage learning approach. How does that work? So one of the things that I read was a great book called Urban Village Schools by James Wentz. And that talks about creating villages inside your school. So what we decided to do was look at his work and design three villages for learning. So a stage four village, a stage five village and a stage six village. So that basically every village that you came into was a little bit different. It was that idea of giving kids something to look forward to as they continued to move through the school. So in stage four, what we did was basically we said, Let's imagine that we could reinvent school. What might school look like if we moved away from the industrial model of sit and git, which John Fischetti likes to call it at Newcastle Uni? How can we move from sit and git where kids just sit and, you know, we flip open their head and pour the content in 
how could we shift it so that the students were actually a little bit more in control of their learning so that engagement kind of hung around so what we did was we designed a process and and we call it at our school hubs pods and huddles Mm-hmm. And what we decided to do was give the students more voice and choice, look at student movement around the classrooms, knock out a heap of walls. So we had this approach of no halls, no walls, less teachers, bigger classes, less movement in terms of the number of classes where they went out and more understanding and therefore more impact in the learning. So that's wow. sort of like in a in a nutshell what we do. So the hub indicates that the kids are in a group of 60 and in that group of 60 they have two teachers with them and often a third teacher in as either a learning and support teacher or an SLSO, so student learning support officer. And what that hub does is set the tone for the lesson, they do their learning intention, they look at their success criteria, They do a do now activity. So Mm -hmm. they do that in their big group. Then what we do is we divide them off into pods and the pods are of about 20 students and the students in that group of 20 then do their deep explicit learning and that can be done as parallel learning. It can be done as station learning. It can be looking backwards or forwards in terms of pre-testing or post-testing students And what that gives teachers the capacity to do is actually divide them into ability groups Mm -hmm. as the need is there. Mm -hmm. They then move from those pods into their huddles, which are small groups of between four and six students, and that's where they do their deep group work together. So it really does have that idea of movement as the basis, the idea of creating really close connections with the students and also then the close connections with their teachers. That See, that's just awesome because you've kind of turned it all right on its head away from, you know, everybody sits down, as you say, you know, sit and get into a much more dynamic, a bit more like mirroring the world they're going to be moving into where they're working in groups of people, you know, if they work uh, you know, in white collar kinds of jobs, or even when they're working in blue collar jobs, they're going to be working in teams. So you're kind of really making the most of that, uh, you know, love that adolescents have for social interaction. I think that's incredible. And tell me, is it possible, okay, because you're working on a staged approach, if you've got a student that's supposed to be in year eight, but really, they are kind of still at a year seven level. Is it? Is it? Is the staged approach something that kind of, you know, moves some of those barriers of what year they're in, or does it still kind of fall roughly into the years that they're the you know age groups in? So what we've got at the moment is we've actually got um, groupings that are held together by the work of the learning and support teachers Mm -hmm. and often so in order to keep the kids together with their age appropriate peers we can do that in this model but we can tailor the work really specifically to the areas of learning where they have a strength or a challenge so we can push the kids at the top end and we have actually accelerated a number of students over the last two years 
into HSC courses where they are getting outstanding results in that new high potential and gifted policy work where basically it says if you don't accelerate bright kids, you're doing them more damage than good. Um, So we're working at that end to accelerate students, but we're also working really hard at the other end to capture those students who aren't necessarily at stage level, but make the work appropriate to their age, but in their stage level. So our, um, our last teachers work really hard in that space, in the classroom and outside the classroom. We look at differentiating assessment tasks. We look at making those adjustments in the classroom. Um, you know, is it perfect? No, but is it better? Yes. Oh, look, it's got to be better than, I mean, I've worked in high schools where there have been kids that are not operating at the same stage as some of their peers and they get given not another worksheet a4 worksheet that they were given back in year four and they threw it at the teacher back in year four and many happy returns of the same content um because that that's that old deficit model of thinking where okay you haven't mastered it so you're gonna have to have it's like cold porridge you're gonna have to keep on having it so i kind of love the way um, and I've seen the way some of your differentiation works. It's quite exciting because it's, um, it's you know, it, it's a, a, exploring different learning styles. So a kid might do better with kinesthetic learning than, you know, kind of books and papers and stuff like that. Um, look, what we'll do is we're going to have a break and we're going to come back because there's a whole lot more I want to find out about. Back with Tracy, and we've been chatting about some of the fantastic innovation that Curry Curry High School are making in order to engage such a diverse student cohort. You've, as you've already mentioned, you've gone, you have students there that are that are really kicking goals right up there and being accelerated towards the high school certificate, and then students that possibly, you know, might spend quite a bit of their time suspended if they were at another school. But um, tell me a bit about your innovation that you've introduced regarding dealing with some of the students with complex behaviour problems. So one of my beliefs is that suspension, whilst it's great for teachers to get prepared and make time and make changes to a student coming back to them. Often, if we're sending students out of our school into situations that are actually more problematic than being at school, it's not having the desired effect that it once had. You know, when I went to school, being suspended would have been devastating for my parents and there would have been a lot of consequences for me at home. Families that are also operating in crisis really do struggle with with um, students at home, and sometimes I, I get the feeling that we're we're just doing more harm than good. So, one of the things that we've decided to look at this year as as a school is the work around Paul Dick's 
when the adults change, everything changes. And his five pillars of pivotal practice, which are consistent calm adult behaviour, first attention for best conduct, relentless routines, scripting difficult interventions, and then restorative practices. What we've decided to do is actually employ some behaviour coaches for the students mm. and for the teachers. Oh, so wonderful. They'll work in harmony around creating what we're calling the circle so that we're going to remove all of the negativity and all of the negativity bias around behaviour. We're going to completely flatten our behaviour management structure so there won't be any blue card, red card, orange card. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're going to totally flatten that structure and look at the consistency of practice around the teachers and around the students. And we're going to develop a system whereby students may remain in that circle class for some, if not all, of the day to really get their behaviour and look at, like you said before, Gabby, they, they may head into this adolescence of, you know, absolutely chucking it. And how, how do we then get them back? Because we all know once that amygdala lid flips, mm-hmm. flips and anything that's said post-flip should not be taken personally by a teacher. <laughs> so it's about creating that calm and consistent adult behaviour. It's about allowing the kids to have somewhere that is safe, where they can come back and where they can restore and repair the relationships that may have been damaged, sometimes through their own fault, sometimes through no fault of their own, sometimes because we are also at an eight as a teacher and we sometimes make some mistakes. Mm. And I guess it's about really bringing back that compassion and empathy to the classroom yeah. applying all of those things that we know are best practice. Yeah, look, it's it's just amazing, isn't it, how far we've come because I was just reflecting on how, you know, I think it was I finished my teacher training, I say it very quietly, in 1975, you know, and um, just we knew nothing about the way the brain works and how threat in the learning environment is every bit as frightening as, uh, you know, the threat of the saber-toothed tiger that, uh, you know, triggers that fight and flight response. So, you know, kids really, I've seen and you've seen kids who are absolutely terrified of being shamed in front of their peers by a teacher insisting they read something when they couldn't read properly. Um, you know, and then teachers saying appalling things. I remember a maths teacher saying, one, one of my kids about 20 years ago saying, oh, I can't be bothered with students that don't understand, you know. And I mean, seriously, somewhere on that continuum of awareness, we've got still some dinosaur teachers out there that are like that. And uh, then we've got these really innovative to people and they're not necessarily just the young people there's some really innovative older teachers as well but I love the idea of your coaching the teachers because I was going to ask you how do you get everybody singing from the same song sheet well definitely the the pivotal training has to be undertaken by everybody and everybody has to make the commitment to that buy-in we all know that if you don't have consistency you never get the change that you want to see or hear or feel in a school. And so, 
you know, one of the one of the beautiful things that that I've learnt um, over the last little while is that idea of applying HALT to your classroom. And HALT stands for is a kid hungry, angry, lonely or tired before mm. they start. And I think if you can put that kind of thinking at the forefront, you're not just teaching equations. Mm. We are we are truly in in 2020 teachers of students first and content second. Yeah. And I guess that's a big thing in high school because you're right, Gabby, high school teachers aren't trained to teach students. High Mm. school teachers are trained to teach content. The people who are trained to teach learning are actually primary school teachers. And so we're actually trying in that stage four to really flip that over and have our teachers really deeply understand the actual phases of learning and the processes of learning so that they're not just programming to hit, you know, all of the content in maths and all of the content in English. They're actually looking really deeply at the phases of learning and making sure that the students are coming with them. Yeah, that's just so cool because I can remember years ago teaching, was a special ed class, it was like a transition class and I had a a student whose mum was a hooker, a poor kid, you know, like he used to sleep under the house a lot of the time and he'd come in to class, he was in about year eight and I used to say to him, are you hungry? And I'd feed him and, you know, we had this fantastic relationship and I discovered um, because he liked me because I'd fed him, um, he was gifted in maths because in maths you can't be wrong, right? You, you know, it's either right or wrong and there was no kind of grey area like there was in English. Um, and he just, I managed to get him into, I said, well, look, if you can keep yourself nice and behave yourself, I'll see if I can get you into a year 10 maths class a couple of times a week. And they couldn't believe how good he was. And he just felt like he was 10 feet tall. And But that all came out of the relationship building from what I love is that HALT acronym. That's a great thing for teachers to just stop and go, hang on a minute, is this kid ready to learn, you know? So have you got any um, other stories, Tracy, about, you know, the changes that you've, has it made a difference to the levels of um, suspension that you've seen in the school? Have you, is that kind of had an impact? Yeah, it definitely has. We, um, We use this amazing thing called the learning disposition wheel and it's nine segments around cognition, intrapersonal and interpersonal areas of learning. So it has things on it like focus and influence and creativity and um, think how and why and all of these amazing things which come back to the student and their responsibility for their own learning but also yeah. understanding themselves as learners. Yeah, I think sometimes that's what gets a bit lost because you can give the power back to the student around their own learning and, and their own metacognitive behaviours and actually talking in that way with the kids, you tend to get more traction than just talking over them or at them Mm. and only involving parents in those conversations. So, you know, we've really tried to really stamp out that industrial model. We've stamped out parent-teacher night. Why is it parent-teacher night? That's only about the parent and the teacher. There's nothing in there that says it's anything about a kid. So we've moved to 
360 student-led conferences uh, where students have to present artifacts of their learning and talk about their goals, talk about what they've set for themselves, how they've improved, and then they set the next set of goals with the parents and the, and the teacher in partnership in that conversation. Mm-hmm. So that's been another really great um, aspect of our of our work um, that we're really proud of. So, you know, fundamental to anyone's sense of belonging is the relationships that they form with significant adults in their life, and that's a lifelong learning skill. Yep. The more that we can engage kids with significant adults in their world, um, you know, our, our data on belonging and advocacy has is above state average now, mm-hmm. and that's a, a testimony to the amazing people that I work with who really do love children and are really starting to understand, you know, I, I talk in, in staff meetings and, and have up in my office, know thy impact. Because <laughs> we all know those kids. You know, Ryan Madison, who plays for the Eels, said, oh, I'm a first-grade footballer because one of my maths teachers told me that I couldn't do it. You know, the power of an impact yes. teacher should never be underestimated. Absolutely. Oh, Tracy, this has just been such a delightful conversation. Thank you so much. And I'm hoping maybe we can revisit Curry Curry High School later on in the year, well, or even next year. Um, let me see what happens after this long Melbourne lockdown. <laughs> but, but thank you so much. And we're going to leave it there for today. I hope you've enjoyed the conversation that we had today about some changes that Curry Curry High School have been making to engage students. Check the website for details on the references mentioned by Tracy, and um, stay tuned because we're sure to revisit and see how that school progresses with their innovations. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.